Hello, my name is Blair Murphy and this is The Bishop's Office, a podcast where I talk to members of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints about their conversion, missionary service and life experiences. This week I'm speaking to Annette Rice about her conversion experience. But before we hear about it, can I ask you one favour? I'd love it if you could share this podcast with someone close to you. A friend or a family member who you feel might be uplifted by hearing these conversion and mission experiences. It would mean a lot to me and hopefully it will bless their lives as well. Anyway, here's Annette's story. Well Annette, it's great to catch up with you today and talk about your conversion experience. How are you? I'm doing really well. Thank you. Well, where should we start? Why don't you tell us a little bit about growing up? Were you born here in Adelaide? No, I uh, grew up in Clare, just in the mid-north. I have really good memories of living in Clare. We had animals, uh, just lived the other side of the town, not on a farm or anything, but we had uh, had horses, had cats, chooks, vegetable Mm. garden, had a cow just down the road that uh, a neighbour would... uh, milk for us bring us fresh milk every day it's pretty pretty awesome kind of uh, childhood I think yeah sounds pretty idyllic so would you describe your childhood as a as a happy one yeah it was a happy one I had um, four older sisters and a younger brother my maiden name was pink and up in Clare uh, pinks had been established you know for about 100 years or so with uh, business granary and uh, hardware and things like that so yeah we had a really a nice situation we uh, you know we were comfortable it was good and so did you grow up working in the hardware store? Do you know you know more than you should about the size of bolts and all that sort of thing? No, I never, never worked in the uh, – I used to go and play on the typewriter. That was about it, much <laughs> to the, uh, the guy in the office's chagrin. That's funny. So as you think back on your childhood, are there any sort of key memories that you have, not necessarily related to religion or anything like that, but, you know, anything that springs to mind? Well, it is – Religion was quite an important part of our life through my mother uh, and her mother. We went to um, the Methodist church. There was a bit of a divide in those days between the Catholics and the Protestants. So while we did have friends who were Catholics, um, generally not. According to my father, that wasn't the done thing. (laughs) So we went to the Methodist church, went to Sunday school uh, a lot of the time. Although my mother said, you know, I made such a fuss at one point in my life that she gave up on me. But I do remember we're in Sunday school and always remember, tell me the stories of Jesus, you know, a song and, you know, we learned a lot about Jesus. But I remember um, being asked, I can't remember the term exactly, but who's prepared to give their life to Jesus or something? Anyway, you know, you had to walk out to the front, this little Sunday school. And when I was about nine or 10, I did that, walked out the front. Yes, I wanted to give my life to Jesus. But soon after became an atheist for a while but um good upbringing good solid christian upbringing Mm. what do you remember of that period of atheism and and what prompted it i don't know so when i was about 11 i suppose people talked about it and i probably thought i was a bit clever to not believe in god for a period of time um but i had an experience i was lying in my bed in the sleep out that was my bedroom with my uh, older sister and um in my mind, I saw this point of light in the darkness, just in my mind. And for some reason, I suppose it was the spirit. I knew that, I suppose it was the Holy Ghost telling me that that was my spirit, that this eternal light. It was a funny experience for a young person to have, I suppose. But I just knew that was my spirit. Mm. And I knew that God existed and that I had an eternal spirit 
I didn't know about the pre-existence. It didn't click at that mm-hmm. point. It was just was just that feeling I had. After year 10, it was the custom in our family to come down, go to wilderness and go to boarding school. So I did that. And we had to go to church on Sundays. That was one of the things. So you could either go to the Church of England or you could go to the Methodist Church. And back in Clare, I had attended a few churches in the area just to see what they're like. So we were at Sunday school on a Sunday morning and I asked the Sunday school teacher, uh, what do you think God is like? Can you explain it? And he said, well, I don't even know if I believe in God myself. And so I can't, I can't explain. He was the minister's son. And I thought, no, forget it. So I was 16, about 16 and a half then, and I just thought, no, that's it for me. That's it for religion, for churches. Because mm. I said, they don't know. They don't just seem to know anything. So I thought, um, I announced to the two girls I shared a room with, I said, look, I'm not going to go to organised church anymore. That's it. I'm, I'm going to read the Bible. I believe in Christ, but that's it. I'm not going to church anymore to waste the time. Mm. So that's where I was up to in year 12. When did things change for you? How did your feeling towards organised religion progress or did it progress? Or It, it wasn't long after that um, end of school that my mother and my sisters and my brother, we rented a, a home in Erindale here in Adelaide. And we had moved in, I think, on the Saturday. And we heard a doorbell, which we had never actually heard. It was this long musical thing. That's how early it was that we'd moved into the house. And one of my older sisters and myself answered the door and there were the uh, two tall American boys. And we thought that was a bit of fun. I was 16 and she was about 22. So they asked us if they could make an appointment and come back and teach us on the Tuesday evening. And uh, we agreed. And uh, as they left, my older sister, she was going, what? You know who they are. They're the Mormons. Oh, you didn't. You didn't let them come back. I thought, oh, yeah, we've made an appointment. Oh, no. And my mother was like, oh, really? So we had this appointment on the Tuesday night and my whole family pretty much, except my brother, he wouldn't, he wouldn't attend. He was about 12 or 13. He's like, no. There was my married sister and her husband. So all my sisters, I should say, and mm. my mother and myself. And we had these two missionaries come over. And the funny thing back then is, you know, you played music. If people came over, you played music. You remember mm-hmm. those days? <laughs> yeah, vaguely. <laughs> <laughs> so I think we were playing Beatles records and, you know, you'd get up and change the, change the record. Yeah. And uh, it was probably a bit difficult for these guys to be trying to teach us properly with the music going, this kind of thing. Mm. So they taught by the flannel board and I, I remember them showing, you know, the apostasy on the flannel board, you knock down the church, or they build it up, Christ Church, they knock it down, and then they build it again and talk about Joseph Smith and the restoration. And uh, my brother-in-law was a bit offended. He said, because uh, he's uh, kind of a lay pastor, mm. and he asked them some questions, and they, he said to them, so what you're saying is we don't believe in the same Christ. And they said, no, well, that's not really what we're saying, but anyway. So they left, made another appointment, left us with the Book of Mormon and some pamphlets, Joseph Smith pamphlet. And so we had a discussion, the family, you know, we sat around and talked about it for a while. And so he was, uh, he was against the church and we kind of all asked each other, well, what did you think? 
And uh, they asked me and I said, well, I think it's true. That was just the immediate feeling I had, not that I was very experienced with life. But they came back. One of my sisters, myself and my mum were the only ones who continued having the discussions. But anyway, um, I went to a few of the discussions. I made the mistake of praying about it. It just would not leave me alone. I read probably only the first 26 pages or 16 pages or something of the Book of Mormon and I read the Joseph Smith pamphlet and I prayed about it and I couldn't sleep at night. And finally I said, Heavenly Father, okay, I believe that that was it. The missionaries persisted and um, invited me to meet some of the YSAs and uh, Phil House was somewhat instrumental in talking to me about the church, just, you know, friendly chats went bowling with them, things like that. I'm interested in this sort of experience of reading the Book of Mormon, the Joseph Smith pamphlet, and then praying. And you use the words that um, it kind of wouldn't leave you alone. What do you mean by that? Can you explain that a little bit more? I don't really understand what was going on. It's difficult to explain. It just, I had this nagging feeling that I had to accept it. And I didn't want to. I didn't want to become a Mormon, you know, we, we grew up with Jehovah's Witnesses around the place and everyone was like, oh, quick, you know, if you're in the car and you saw them walking along, it'd be like, quick, roll up the window of the car <laughs> in case they talk to us. Yeah. And um, there were, I knew that there was a stigma of mm. becoming a Mormon and I didn't want to. I was 16, did not want to become a Mormon. Yeah, okay. Mm. I, think, I think that makes sense. So there was just this um, constant feeling that there was something there until you accepted or you acknowledged I suppose the the spiritual feelings that you'd had and said okay I believe this is true but I'm still not joining the church at this stage oh yeah wasn't going to join so the missionaries put the hard word on us in a way it's a bit of a trick I think they said uh we would really like to baptize you and we're being we're going to be um transferred Uh so we want to baptize you before we leave So that was very confronting. Mm. And my sister dropped out completely by then. It was just mum and myself. (laughs) And my recollection of it, though she denied it later on in life, but my recollection of it was that she said to me, if you join, I'll join. So I I just really struggled with it. And then I just thought, we'll do it. I found a letter today that I'd written to President Hess. He wanted to know why I joined the church. And what I put in there was the... um, that there was, I was really impressed that there were so many young people who attended the church and seemed to be really committed, which I had never found in other churches. So, um, and, it, and I said to me it was really the feeling in the church rather than the message which first encouraged me to join. And it said, however, my belief that Joseph Smith was a prophet began to grow and I could not deny it, though I knew I would be different from my friends if I followed this course. That's wonderful. So, so how old were you when you actually got baptised and what do you recall of your baptism? Well, I had just turned 17 by then. Um, so it was about a week after my 17th birthday. And what I recall of it um, was um, when I went down into the water, as I came up, I just knew it was true. Mm. So the Spirit confirmed at that time that I'd done the right thing. And but I remember it was a strange thing with Sister Hobby, you know, Jill Scott, Barbara Hobby's mum. She was there, and I remember that she was 
crying. And um, you don't understand that when you're outside the church. Why do people cry so much? <laughs> and I remember thinking, why is she crying? <laughs> it was a great feeling. And so my, mama, my mother and I got baptised on the same day. And then my brother got baptised about six months later. So well, that's Charles Pink. So he's, uh, you know, he went on a mission, has stayed active all his life. That's great. I love that experience. It reminds me of that scripture in the Book of Mormon that says, you know, we receive no witness until after the trial of our faith. Through the process of meeting with the missionaries, you'd had a couple of experiences that I guess gave you a little bit of light, but you really had to choose to act on that light, you know, and I found it really interesting that that's what Heavenly Father wants from us, isn't it? Yes. He wants us to to choose to follow him. And when we when we do that with the little bit of light that we've been given, he rewards that with more light. And um, that's just such a wonderful experience that in that I, I find it incredible that our hearts can be changed in an instant, you know. Um, yes. It's just such a wonderful thing. So what was uh, life as a 17-year-old Mormon <laughs> like for you? Well, I went to university and uh, Adelaide University and uh, did a Bachelor of Arts. But I faced opposition straight away because I'd gone to school with a number of the girls and one of the guys. Well, they thought this was a bit, this was a bit of a change because I, I was fairly rebellious and outspoken in lots of ways, I suppose. And um, they were a bit surprised to see this different person. Mm. So that took a while. So I had to find my feet. But um, it was Lynn Shaler, a, a Maori member that we had, she really involved me in some learning how to use poi poi's and things like that. You know, I started, they really included me. And then I met um, Ali and Jill Hobby, Jill Scott now, and they included me in a basketball team. So they really drew me in to mm. uh, the social side of it. And uh, that was that balance, the, the difficulties I was having. So you're in the church in your late teens, I suppose, and it's been many years since then. How, how long ago was your baptism? Do you recall off the top Well, of it's 52 years. Long time. It's amazing. So life has its ups and downs and its twists and turns. I wonder if there's a few times in your life that spring to mind that um, you've had to really rely on the Lord and the, the teachings of, of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints have, have helped you and strengthened you. There's been a bit of a pattern in my life where I lose close friends through death and um, but not just lose them immediately but go through uh, their illness with them or see them going through it. And I've certainly been sustained by, um, by the Saviour through these, particularly uh, my sister, the one, her name is Judith, the one who uh, first met the missionaries with me. Uh, we had a very long and enduring relationship and uh, she died a few years ago after a long illness. And then also uh, my husband, Michael. So there have been many times when I've really had to draw on the saviour for strength and comfort because, you know, I've lost a number of people very close to me. I've certainly come to accept death and have a very strong belief in the spirit world and, and resurrection it's interesting, isn't it? Like at those times, our faith is put to the test, isn't it? And we have to really decide or 
interrogate our our hearts and say, you know, do I really believe this stuff? I've been saying I believe in an afterlife and I believe that we our spirits are eternal and in the resurrection and things, but do I really believe it? Because now the chips are down, right? And this person that I yeah. want is no longer with me. Is that sort of what your experience was like? Well, it was. It was also um, getting a, an answer, even though, like with the spirit, some of the experiences I've had with the spirit have not always been things I've wanted to know. <laughs> and I've learned um, the spirit doesn't lie. And sometimes when, uh, particularly the first person who close to me who died, who was Alison Hobby, um, I remember when we were in London together and the nurse told me that, you know, she had this cancer. Um, I didn't want to believe it. And I prayed, went home. She was in hospital. I prayed, went home and prayed, like, literally for hours. It's one of those experiences where you're on your knees for hours wanting a different answer than the one the Spirit's going to give you. And knowing she was going to die, okay, it took several years, but knowing she was going to die by the Spirit. And I was, I was pretty young then. I was only about I was 26, I think. The Spirit is just a wonderful, wonderful companion. Why don't you tell us about meeting your, your husband, Mark, now? We've heard um, from him on the podcast before, but I'd love to hear about how you two got together and, um, you know, what married life is, is like for you guys now. Well, I've known Mark for many years. He used to be uh, the young men's president for when my children were teenagers. And uh, for a period of time, he was my bishop. So we're in the same ward in Furl. So I met him when I came back to Adelaide to live. So that was, what, 20, nearly 27 years ago. Mm. Um, and knew his wife, Shauna, well and, and knew the kids a little bit. Um, I had a lot to do with him over the years because of uh, the calling. Mm. And we didn't always see eye to eye. Uh, my children caused some problems <laughs> at church. <laughs> One of them set off a uh, fire extinguisher at a, at a church function on a Saturday night, filled the lounge with this sandy stuff, closed the door. It was her, him and his cousin, not just by himself. They closed <laughs> the door and we went home. And I get this fire extinguisher going off. Yeah. I get this phone call from Bishop Bryce saying, come back here and help clean this mess up. I said, no, I'm not coming back <laughs> um, because I've got these four kids. I've got to put them to bed. And the youngest was probably about six or seven at that point. So anyway, we had to go and see him. And um, Byron, it was, was in trouble. And we agreed to wash all the windows around the chapel. Anyway. It was an enduring friendship and um, I'd never thought anything about him, of course. And then long story short, a year or so, a year after she died, we had our first date. That was back in 2011. So it was kind of an on-off relationship for a number of years. And then he went on his singles mission to Vanuatu. So when he came back from that, that's, uh, that's when it really started seriously. And so how long have you guys been married for now? Uh, just over two years now. And yeah. um, you're, you're just about to put your mission papers in. Um, how are you yes. feeling about the prospect of serving a mission? This will be your first. Yeah, yeah. I've, um, I'm getting excited about it. I wasn't uh, overly excited for a while, just, uh, you know, uprooting our lives again. 
Mm. Um, you know, it's taken a while to settle into somebody else's home and uh, I'm excited. Um, well, we can't wait to uh, see in what capacity that you'll be serving, but um, know that it will be a blessing to, to you and your families. Um, maybe to finish, maybe could you express your feelings around how the gospel has um, blessed your life and what it means to you to be a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints? I've looked back over the, you know, 52 years and thought about where I, where I might have been now if it hadn't been for the gospel. And I think I, think I would have just gone the way of anybody else. Uh, I might have been, you know, fairly worldly and I, I, d- I don't think I would have had four children. So I think, you know, the, the gospel influences a lot of your decisions. Mm. And, you know, I feel greatly blessed to have had four children. And um, as a non-member, you know, children didn't interest me at all. Mm. So having four children, having the uh, six biological grandchildren I have now, I think is a direct result of being a member. You know, three of my boys went on missions. That was just, uh, you know, a tremendous experience, receiving their letters and writing to them. And mm. I just think it's been a wonderful journey and my testimony has grown stronger over the years to where it's just, you know, very much a part of me. And um, I love the Saviour. I love what he did for us and the example that he was to us. And it's something that every Sunday there is something in a sacrament meeting that touches me. I think I'm a, I'm a very emotional person, I think, and I wouldn't do too well without tissues, you know. I think every mm. Sunday something touches me and confirms continually that the decision I made back then was the right one for me. So. Yeah, it's been, uh, it's been a tough journey in a lot of ways, not being a church member, just life. Life mm. has been tough in a lot of ways, but I've had a lot of blessings and meeting Michael was a great blessing to my children and myself, being married to Mark and living with him and Caleb. We have a lot of fun together, <laughs> um, a lot of jokes. I think there have been some great blessings as well. Oh, that's wonderful. Um, I had one last question pop into my mind as you were sort of describing your testimony solidifying over time. What thoughts or counsel would you have for someone who's um, perhaps been a member of the church for a long time, but is, I I guess, having um, some doubts about the church or church history or or whatever the case may be? Do you have a perspective on that that you'd feel comfortable sharing? I do, actually, um, strongly, because what I'm doing at the moment is digging deep into church history. Mm. I'm reading a lot, reading a lot of footnotes, uh, reading a lot of what the church puts out, reading, uh, listening to a lot of podcasts, but I'm not listening to the negative podcasts about the church. I know enough about what people are saying to not have to go down that track. And what I believe is if you dig enough in a positive way, you listen to people who really have researched history, uh, I think the answers are there. I think there's a lot of evidence for the Book of Mormon, for example, I think there's a lot of physical evidence, a lot of intellectual evidence and spiritual evidence. And I think that what you have to do is what the President Bookdorf at times said, you know, doubt your doubts before you doubt your faith. And I think you just have to look harder and look in the, the good ways. Because if you want to go down the track of losing your faith, that's an easy thing to do, I think. Thank you for taking the time to uh, share your experiences with us. Um, It's great hearing um, about your life and particularly those experiences of coming into the church. So, um, yeah, thank you for taking the time. 
Well, thank you very much. It's been an enjoyable experience to talk about it. Well, I hope you enjoyed hearing about Annette's experience. Remember to share this podcast with your friends and family, and I'll speak to you again next time here in the Bishop's Office.